This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me in the studio today are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, and principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue. We're talking today about the Seven Deadly Sins. That is a concert that's happening this weekend at the Toledo Museum of Art Peristyle with the symphony uh, February 23rd and 24th. So it's Friday and Saturday, 8 o'clock p.m. We will be hearing Kurt Weil and Bertolt Brecht's Seven Deadly Sins, starring the great Storm Large. She is joined by the Hudson Shad Quartet, which is a wonderful group. Uh, reminiscent of the comedian harmonists in Germany, if you know that group. And so they will be performing on the stage. Gentlemen, let's talk about the seven deadly sins. Who can name the seven deadly sins for me? Do you know what they are? I'm going to nominate the person who has <laughs> been to a Catholic school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brad, that's the seven be you. cardinal sins. <laughs> let's see. There's envy, there's uh, greed, there's lust, uh, pride. Yeah. Um, I got four. I'm halfway. Uh, gluttony, gluttony, gluttony of sloth. Can't forget gluttony and sloth. Is, is, is debauchery one? No. <laughs> no. There are seven deadly sins: lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. It helps that I have it right in front of me. But do you know what are the seven? Uh, I was going to say the seven deadly virtues. The seven, <laughs> the seven <laughs> virtues that, that that counteract those sins. Can we name those? So the the virtue for lust is chastity. Hmm. The virtue for gluttony is Temperance. I happen to live in temperance, and that's perfect because it's, you know, you're, related you're... to gluttony, which <laughs> is a sin near and dear to my heart. <laughs> Thought I'd save you the trouble. And uh, the the virtue for greed is charity mm-hmm. or sometimes generosity, mm-hmm. right? And and evidently that is like the, the, the greatest virtue of all is charity. As is philanthropy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're related. Uh, sloth, the virtue is diligence. Wrath, the virtue is patience. Envy, the virtue is gratitude. And pride, the virtue is, can you guess what the virtue for pride is? What's the opposite of pride? Humility. Humility. Very good. Said by the Canadian. (laughs) And we have our quota for this week. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Although Zach is ahead of me. I got to say, though, uh, those Canadian curlers. They're tough. They're tough. (laughs) For some reason, I just pictured Merwin with like a bunch of curlers in his hair. It took me a minute to figure out. (laughs) Took me a minute to figure out that 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 was like it's Olympics time. Olympic reference. Maybe you haven't heard. Well, see, that's Greek mythology. I'm all on Christian dogma right now. Okay, (laughs) because we're headed into the seven deadly sins. Can you? Can somebody talk a little bit about um, uh, Court Vile's version of seven deadly sins? Because it's you know those sins are in there, but it's. It's a it's a drama as well. What happens? Well, actually, this started out as more of a sung ballet. So the the hero heroine Anna is often portrayed by both a singer and a dancer. Though more and more, it's being portrayed just by this single singer. Um, I think that with Kurval, he takes the seven deadly sins. He sets it very much in the United States. Each sin is identified with a city in the United States. And there is a not uber subtle (laughs) political angle to that. Um, He's there. There's a little bit of an anti-capitalist screed in this, but it's, you can, you can totally more than a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I think you can enjoy the piece very without hearing any of it. Uh, But it is, that is 
part of it. It's one of the reasons he does set yeah. it set it specifically in the United States. But all, it's all a, the capitalists in the audience are are going to be offended. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I think you can enjoy the beautiful music and the incredible yeah. performance, and you know. Listen, if you can't have a sense of humor about it, I mean, <laughs> no, what's the point? Well, it's actually funny because Kurt Vile eventually became a great Hollywood composer mm-hmm. and yeah. had to suppress some of his earlier works so that he was would continue to get work as a Hollywood composer. And, and I should point out that this this was written in the 1930s, so right. you know, anti-capitalism in the 1930s, coming from a German, coming from a German musical style that was, you know, kind of what is parodied now as cabaret. Yeah. Um, you well, know, it was also a time when, when Weil and Brecht had to get out. That's right. Of Germany, being Jewish. All right. Yeah. And I I can't remember if this came before or after Three Penny Opera. I think this came just after. This right? was after. Yeah. yeah. It's a fairly heady political brew as well. So kind of that context, is it is very important to consider mm-hmm. when, when hearing the piece. Now, the one person that I didn't mention that is taking part in this performance is uh, Nick Adamski, who is going to be sort of the master of ceremonies, right? Mm-hmm. And we've set it up so he's going to call in sometime during the podcast. So we'll engage him in a conversation and a little quiz as well, hopefully. But But what can you tell us about him? Well, he's not here. Well, he's not here. Okay, so so Nick Adamski, uh, so he's a he's a friend. He is a creative type. Um, he has started in Brooklyn this organization called the Poetry Brothel, mm-hmm. which uh, seeks to. I like it already. <laughs> which um, he probably has a better way of teeing it up, but it seeks to use poetry to uh, some some sort of. Um, uh, a deeper pursuit of getting into the words and celebrating it together. So um, it, it's a social thing that people go to the poetry brothel in in Brooklyn, and now there are chapters all over the world yeah. uh, to have a, a poetry reading with uh, characters. Uh, I think uh, Nick's role or character is called Tennessee Pink, yeah. um, and he'll be bringing that role here to connect the sin through poetry and then music. So this becomes a, a wow. very artful and theatrical uh, uh, demonstration. Yeah, I was looking through their website, uh, the Poetry Brothel, and, and all these people dressed up as characters. I guess it's kind of like performance art, right? That's a Absolutely. much better way of saying it. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that's really important, and I'm sure Nick would be better suited to expound on it is you have this great combination of performance and intimacy. And I think a lot of times when you think of reading poetry or consuming poetry, it's a fairly private, intimate sort of act. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the poetry brothel is to somehow add a performative, dramatic element to it without sacrificing the possibility for intimacy. So I think you have these sort of alternations between these very public performances and then these one-on-one private readings that guests have with the characters. So I think he's a really interesting um, performer to bring into this because I think that's a really good analog to uh, how people consume classical music. A lot of times it's this sort of one-on-one or I am in I am in a listening space by myself and yet there is also this huge public element to it and I think you know having him kind of come in to mediate the concept of the sins and bring in some great poetry 
and to help introduce the pieces. I think it's it's a really, really interesting way to tie the first half together. And, and I should say that the the first half of the program, um, you know, each piece does have either directly or indirectly some sin uh, tied to it. So. I think having the the poetry to set up each piece will kind of set the context for the sin, and then you hear the music as kind of an elaboration of the the sin or the poetry, and then you move on to the next sin. So if you were to play these works back to back, they they might not be the uh, the most connected program, but using the words as the connection as the glue is I, I thought a very artistic way to to demonstrate this, and and I give full credit to to Merwin for that. So let me get it straight now. He he is the um, master of ceremonies for the whole concert, right? Well, or, actually, or just for the seven deadly sins, just for the first half. Okay. Um, the Kurt Vial actually has its own introduction and epilogue, right. so right. it 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 kind of is its own dramatic whole. So it doesn't need uh, you know, it has a Greek chorus and it has exactly storm so, large and yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I think what what we felt was kind of. Um, more necessary was to have that not exactly explanation but the setting of the mood before each piece of the first half and and if i had to characterize him um imagine somebody like uh like johnny depp as captain jack sparrow mm-hmm. and he happens to read a lot of poetry that ah, would be him <laughs> yeah speak of the sparrow speak there the he sparrow. is calling right now let me hit a couple buttons here and see if i can bring him in Hello? Hello? Is, is this Nick? This is Nick. Is this Brian? This is Brad. Oh, Brad. But I will Brian. answer Sorry to anything, that. so you can call me Brian if you if you like. That's okay. I'll call you Brad. Okay. <laughs> I, we have Merwin here. And, and, hey, Nick. How are you? And we have your old school chum, uh, Zach. Here. Hey there, Nick. Hello. Thank you for calling in. We were just talking all about you, so now you can set the record straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. I'm sure that everything said was true. <laughs> so we kind of set up the idea of the show as the, you know, we have the sins and we have the poetry as kind of a um, an analog to, as Merwin very uh, wisely said, uh, the intimacy of listening to music, the intimacy of listening to poetry, um, and connecting those two things in a programmatic way. Um, so, you know, I'd be interested to hear from you if you could set up, you know, what your thought is as an artist going into this concert and some of the the preparations you've done to to come up with the poetry and you know then if you have a a few moments we can we can also dive into what the poetry brothel is no i just want to hear about the poetry brothel yeah that's that's what i'm interested in (laughs) okay well we can get right to it if you'd like go for it so the poetry brothel is a very old idea with a bit of a new twist, um, which was simply that we, my business partner and I felt that poetry is simply better one-on-one. Not that we're not going to have a great time uh, next week at the symphony, but we wanted to give people who did not necessarily have the opportunity to lay in bed next to a poet and have a poem read to them, the opportunity to, to do that. Uh, so, just over 10 years ago, right after I graduated from graduate school, I started working with a woman named Stephanie Berger, who I met in school, and we created something called the Poetry Brothel, which is literally a cabaret 
inspired show where poets play the role of prostitutes and are available to give one-on-one private poetry readings to paying customers. It was a pretty revolutionary idea when we started doing it. And we didn't even really know what we were doing when we started, but over the years we've sort of figured it out. But yeah, uh, brothels also historically have been places where, you know, sort of fringe elements of society, artists that were not necessarily accepted in polite society were able to go and feel like they had a, a place of their own, a place that they could do what they wanted to do. Uh, for example, um, jazz musicians in New Orleans at the turn of the century were playing, you know, uh, in country clubs and, and white supper clubs and things like that. And then after they were done with their shift, they would go to the brothel and play the music that they wanted to create. And that's sort of the birthplace of jazz, wow. as far as I know it. Um, so we wanted to create a place in New York City in 2008, oddly enough, where uh, poets could mix with painters and musicians and dancers and all different kinds of artists to create a kind of new feeling of just the intersection of different art forms where people could sort of do whatever they wanted to do and people and, and, uh, and an audience could come and just watch it sort of happen or unfold. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, let, let's uh, pivot back to uh, the peristyle now and tell me, are you bringing some of that artistic aesthetic with you, with what you're presenting and what you're doing as uh, the master of ceremonies, the poetry you're going to read? Try, try to paint a picture for us of what we can expect here in Toledo. Well, I don't, I'm not exactly positive where it's all going to end up and land. Um, I need to, <laughs> I need Have to you looked at it yet? What did, what did they tell you before I got on the phone? Um, yeah, no, I've, I, I have actually been preparing for this role, um, not only for the last 10 years, but, you know, for the last couple of weeks or, or many weeks, actually. I, I intend to bring a, a lot of, or I intend to bring to bear everything that I've learned over the course of this sort of career that I built for myself and really uh, show, you know, the hometown crowd what, what we what I've been doing out there for the last decade. Mm. Um, I don't. I haven't just. I haven't really discussed whether I'll be performing as myself or my alter ego. But I think right. you know, a, a lot of him has has sort of leaked into my own uh, persona and psyche over the years. You're talking about uh, Tennessee Pink, right? I am. I'm talking yeah. about Tennessee Pink himself. Um, <laughs> So Nick, when when we first contacted you about this idea of pairing poetry and and sin, was that the sort of thing where you said, "Well, well, of course, duh," or, or was it the sort of thing we had to sit down and say, "How are we going to do this?" Yeah, no, I mean, I think poetry can encapsulate all all aspects of the human condition, so it wasn't a stretch to think that you would want to pair it with, the, with sin or the seven deadly sins specifically. Uh, the thing that I've found to be most challenging so far about this, uh, this role or this, this job is finding poems that really, really lock in on, on a cardinal sin in that way. Um, a lot of poetry either wants to, you know, sort of dance around and address a lot of things or touch on a sin and then kind of like bounce off of it to get to some other place. But the ones that really, you know, it's it's not that difficult to find poems that address the seven deadly sins, but it's quite difficult to find great poems that address them and do it in a really thorough way. So that's really been, that's been the challenge for me. I've actually really um, opened up 
my my Rolodex and and written and co- communicated with a lot of people about this topic, um, and it's been very interesting to see the uh, you know the sort of easy answers that a lot of people bring, and then you know the kind of the kind of unexpected ones, and then just how everybody everybody feels like it should be really easy to find these poems, and then almost everyone that I've talked to has come back and said, you know, it's not not quite you know it's not quite as easy to find them as i thought it was going to be so hmm. it's been a really interesting project and you've come back with an amazing list of of authors i mean the the poets that you've come back with stretch from uh, chaucer S- sylvia plath neruda Sil- neruda i mean it, it's it's so wide-ranging yeah <laughs> wow yeah. oh that sounds interesting now yeah yeah, yeah. there there is not a t- period of time in which these topics were not addressed by poets. Um, I have a, you know, I've read a bunch of poems by contemporary poets. The funny thing too, is I've written to a lot of poets and then had other poets suggest those poets. So, <laughs> these, so these poets are writing back to them like, Oh, you know, it's funny. I just had three poets tell me that I should read these three poems by you. And then the person's like, well, I don't know if that's necessarily a, totally about greed. And I'm like, well, it would be great if it was, because that is, <laughs> <laughs> that has been the most difficult one to find. So are yeah. you saying that there's some poetic license going into this? There's a there's some there's a lot of poetic license. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. <laughs> that, that was a that was a bad buzzer. <laughs> you know what I find interesting is that everybody it, it seems like throughout history everybody is interested in the sins and not in the virtues, you know. Like if you go back and you look at, at the divine comedy of Dante, nobody even wants to look at paradise. They just want to <laughs> dive right into the inferno and read about everybody, you know, how they're tortured in it's hell. Gossip. It's gossip, right? Everybody yeah. Everybody wants to talk about what their neighbors are doing wrong. As long as they're not part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You, n- you never hear about the seven deadly virtues as opposed <laughs> right. to the seven deadly sins. However... I was, actually, I was thinking about that last night. Like, are you, are you guys... Is the symphony going to do a program uh, later about, you know, vir- virtues or a virtuous life? Or is that... that just <laughs> I, I will be a say very that, short uh, program. <laughs> all, all of our programs are about virtue. Uh, virtuosity. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Yeah. Uh, do we have time to do a quick quiz? Absolutely. Okay. Let's do it. Generally, I, I, I come up with some kind of a quiz um, that we do during the course of this podcast and so i have a quick little um uh, punishment quiz right now <laughs> so the, the way that this works nick is i'm gonna i'm gonna say a sin and i'm gonna give everybody three choices of what the uh, eternal punishment is for that sin and they have to choose which one is correct are you with me i'm with you this okay. is like your your met halftime quiz exactly on steroids <laughs> quiz. <laughs> or intermission <Yeah>. quiz <laughs> here we go here we go. The The first sin is pride. Will you be broken on the wheel? Will you have your ears and nose burned off? Or will you be sawed in half? Who's that go to? Uh, anybody who wants to jump in there. Ears and nose burned off. Gotta be. Anybody else? That is not the correct I answer. I feel like stretched oh. on the wheel. So broken on the wheel. Yeah. That's correct. You're not reading upside down my paper, no, right? No, no, okay. I'm not. <laughs> uh, now for envy. Envy. Out of these three, will you be boiled in oil? Will you be placed in freezing water? Or will you have spikes driven into your feet? 
Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I had a lot of fun making up these other tortures. I would say that the boiling in oil and the the freezing water one inspired the other. So I'm going to say that the uh, boiling in oil would be the the original answer. No, placed in freezing water. Ah. Yeah. Are these the actual, are these Dante's punishments, or did you come up with these punishments? (laughs) (laughs) The Brad Cresswell's Inferno. Oh, no. (laughs) These punishments Uh, are not condoned by WGT Public Media. You're on to me now. No, these are like the cardinal punishments. These are are even predating Dante, supposedly, you know, because Dante kind of did his own thing here and there. Uh, For gluttony, will you be force-fed fingers and toes? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> will you be force-fed rats, toads, and snakes, or will you be force-fed animal waste? Oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> I feel like rats, toads, and snakes seems more biblical to me. Yeah, that's right, Merwin. You got it. Rats, Merwin's toads, and three snakes. Three here. For I lust. A, I think there's a Simpsons episode about all three of those possibilities, actually. <laughs> <laughs> for lust. For the sin of lust, will you be forever lost at sea? Will you suffer rat torture? That's where they take rats and place them inside your intestines. Hungry rats. Or will you be covered in fire and brimstone? I would say fire and brimstone. That's right. Yeah. Fire and brimstone. Hey, we're on a roll here. For anger, is it live dismemberment? (laughs) Will you have your head crushed in a vice? Or will you be thrown into a snake pit? For anger? Anger. Yeah. It seems pretty exotic for something that's pretty common <laughs> well anger is a sin uh-huh. anger or wrath uh-huh. right nick any any well, ideas on this one i just want to say snake pit i just want to say those words <laughs> <laughs> well you can say it but that, it's not the, the proper vice, punishment right? for that's this correct. One. yeah is it the vice nope it no. is live dismemberment oh live wow dismemberment. Which is a little weird because, like, yeah, if you're being punished for a sin after you're dead, how can you have live dismemberment? I, I guess, you know, you're just suffering must, the, the pain. It's a semantic There must sin. be theater and hell, right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, we've only got two to go. For greed, will you be boiled in oil? There will you is. be smothered with hot metal? Or will you be dipped in molten lava? Wow. For greed. How about boiled in oil? That's right. You got yes! it. <laughs> I really wanted to get one. I feel like I'm supposed to be an expert on this topic. <laughs> There's the chorus. And finally, the last one, sloth. Will you have your knees split by spikes? Will you be placed in a cage, caged coffin so you are immobile for all eternity? Or will you be thrown into a snake pit? Now, here's your opportunity to say snake pit again. Snake pit. You got it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it reflects very badly on us that by far our most successful quiz was answering the punishment for the seven deadly sins. Like, like far and away our most successful when quiz. When Brad goes and gets movie quotes, that's where we're the worst. Yeah. Movie quotes. No movie quotes today. So I have to say, I think Merwin and Nick tied it. Or did you get two also, Zach? I can't even tell you. I don't really keep track it, of these it, things. It would, be, it would be pride to tell you the answer to that, so I'm not going to. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Okay, before we go, uh, I want to go around and each of us uh, tell me your favorite sin. Let's start with you, Nick. If you had to be a sin, what would you be? If you had to oh. choose. They're all so great. <laughs> um, I would be a, a lustful glutton. No, no, you got to pick one. <laughs> what? I'm choosing gluttony. See, see and, he's a poet. But, 
<laughs> Through gluttony, I'm also lust. Yeah. Okay, lust it is. Lust. Nick is lust. You can choose the same sin if you want. Who are you, Merwin? Well, up until I had a kid and he is not allowing me to sleep at all, I would have definitely said gluttony, but right now sloth sounds awfully tempting. <laughs> I'm going to go with sloth. So that's, that's your wannabe sin. It's not <laughs> your wannabe. actual sin. Yeah. And you guys left the best one for me, so I'll take gluttony. You take gluttony? Oh, I would have taken gluttony. I'll take gluttony in the form of a scotch bottle. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I probably would take, uh, well, gosh, you guys took all the good ones already. <laughs> you said wow, you sound really wrathful about that. Yeah, yeah I can. <laughs> you, can join, you can join me over here in lust if you want. Yes. <laughs> well, what were you, lustful gluttony? Can I be yeah, glutton, yeah. gluttonous lust? How about that? Yeah, you can, you can. Greedy lust, lust, lust. lust. <laughs> Here we go. Glust. Glust. So I, you know, oh, we can start we the. There. <laughs> let's see if we can do a Venn diagram for sins, right? If you oh, have lust and gluttony together, is glust, gluttony, glust. <laughs> I feel like the sacred geometry is going to come into play. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that. I well, the concert it. is uh, this weekend. It's Friday and Saturday night at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Toledo Museum of Art Paris style. The Seven Deadly Sins of Court Vile. Also a whole slate of sinful music. Uh, our host, our master of ceremonies, our poetic performer, Nicholas Adamski, who did I did we mention you're from Toledo? You're a native of Toledo, right? I am. Born so, and raised. This is a homecoming. You're going to have friends and family coming to see you? Boy, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, nobody ever listens to this podcast, so they won't know. Don't worry about it. No, um, I'm kidding. I would, I would love for them all to come out. I'm hoping my high school English teachers come out. That's, that's the one I'm really pulling for. Do you yeah. have Doc Demar coming? Uh, we'll see. I, I actually talked to Doc a few days ago. He's been one of my advisors on this. Is so that how Chaucer we'll got into this? No, Chaucer's been a part of this from the beginning, Zach. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Doc D. Markowski yeah. was the AP English teacher at St. John's when oh, yeah. uh, Nick and I were there. You told me some story and, about uh, Stravinsky and uh, what was it? Yeah, so Stravinsky and Diaghilev. Yeah, there. Nick is, uh, besides the poetry, poetry brothel, Nick, uh, I think before he got into poetry, he was an expert on, uh, Nick, what was it, Stravinsky, Nijinsky, and Diaghilev? And the Ballet Russe. But Zach, I mean, to be honest, I think you're the real expert. I was sort of the JV, I was the JV presenter on that topic. I think that was Zach's point. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was well, trying to, to make the point there. Well, well he made it. <laughs> Hopefully. You sure, uh, pride, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I get stakes switch, driven through my ankles. Was that uh, it? Switch your, switch your, uh, your uh, sin. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks to you, Nick, for, for coming on and talking with us. It was a lot of fun. We look forward to having you this weekend. And again, you can find more information about this weekend's concert with Storm Large, Hudson Shad, Nicholas Adamski, the Toledo Symphony, all conducted by Anya Billmeyer. That is at ToledoSymphony.com or the phone number. Let's hear the phone number. 419-246-8000. Can we do kind of a, like some kind of a jingle? You know how, um, what Radio is it? Radio Days sort of jingle. <laughs> yeah. Empire Carpet? No. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Probably have to pay them a royalty now. Anyway, thanks again, Nick, for joining us today here on Toledo Symphony Lab. My and pleasure. Am I saying your name right, Nick? Adamski? You are. Okay. Yeah, you're nailing it. Uh, excellent.
That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm so excited for this performance. and uh, yeah, Me too, yeah. I'm very excited for you to get here. Toledo Symphony Lab is generously underwritten by a gift from the estate of Barbara Garwood and is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website, that's wgte.org lab, or you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And remember, you can check out all upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website. That's at ToledoSymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My thanks to Zach Vasser, Merwin Sue, and our special guest, Nicholas Adamski. I'm Brad Cresswell, and this has been Toledo Symphony Lab here on FM 91.